Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, praise you, love you, and honor you. As always, you're the majestic, awesome, kind, powerful God. And God, we ask that you would just bless me, hide me beneath the cross, think through my mind, speak through my mouth. Let the people be eternally touched and blessed. Move up and down every aisle, in and out, every row. Let no one's coming be in vain. And we give you praise and we love you. In Jesus' name, let everybody say. With your Bibles in your hands, would you just repeat after me? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, feed me this word. Come on, put your hands together this morning. Help me preach like you have been doing, and then we will, we will move into what God has for us. We're going to start with the title, and the title is Try Me. Somebody say, Try Me. Now, normally when you uh, look at that title, it seemingly, it seemingly seems as if you are saying, listen, don't you try me or try me if you dare. But that's not the angle we're going to be going on this morning. But there is a song that was out recently that says, try Jesus, not me, because I throw hands. In other words, I ain't the one for you to try. But by the time we finish the sermon, I want you to be able to make that statement try me, that I actually want to be tried. And we're not talking about humans. No human wants to be tried necessarily by other humans because we are human and we don't want to be pushed in the corner and forced in the corner. We're saved, but don't push me in the corner because I'm not sure what might come out of me. So, so that's not really what we're going, but to help us understand where we're going, we're going to look at this verse, Job 23 and 10. And this is what the scripture says. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I'm going to read it again. But he knoweth the way that I take. Job talking about God in the midst of Job's circumstances. And then he said, when he hath tried me, who when God has tried me, I shall come forth. As gold. Now, would you go back and put the title back on the screen? And we're going to say it again. Try me. Somebody say, try me. me. We're talking about God trying us and what that means for us. And so we're going to break it into four categories. The first one is in the category of tempt. And so they're going to put that up, and I'm going to give you a definition of tempt, which is right above tempted. It's a definition for tempt. It says to entice or attempt to entice someone to do or acquire something that they find attractive but know to be wrong or not beneficial. Ah, to entice or attempt to entice someone 
to do or acquire something that they find attractive or appealing but know to be wrong or not at all beneficial. And when you put that tempted graphic up again, and just want to point that out before we move, so tempted, and in that tempted graphic you see a snake wrapping around the word tempted. And let me be honest, all of us are saved, we love God, but we get tempted. And we get tempted because we're dealing with a devil and demonic spirits that try to weave and wrap, wrap itself into our life. And it tries to entice us and push us into things. And this is why we need God to try us. Because if God doesn't try us to make us like gold, the devil's going to tempt us to make us look like fools. There's nothing more that Satan wants to do is to make you say, I love God, and make you look like a fool, act like a fool, so it makes it look like God ain't what God said he is. And so we have to be careful because we all get tempted at times. Now, if you're tempted all the time, 24-7, maybe you should check your relationship with God. But if you're just human and you're a Christian, you're going to try to walk this life, but it's going to come with temptations. Now, one of the things about the temptation is many times it tempts us with things we desire. Uh, the ranking, you can't tempt me with chitlins because I don't like chitlins. Don't, don't really fool with them, so you can't really tempt me and entice me with chitlins. But you can tempt me and entice me with cheesecake because I like cheesecake. So, so it's not a temptation unless you really desire it. And so some of us, we like to cuss. So we tempted to cuss. We like to fuss, so we tempted to fuss. And I can say a whole bunch of stuff, but I ain't going to say a whole bunch of stuff because I don't want to get into all the stuff that we get tempted to do. But it's the devil weaving his way in. And I like the, the fact that the graphic used a serpent because it reminds us of Adam and Eve and how that crafty devilish ser serpent wove his way in. And we're in the mess we're in. We got the mess we're in because of him. So I need you to open your eyes and understand you will be and you can be tempted and saved. Amen. So let's look at Luke 4 and 1 and this will give us uh, something that piggybacks on what we talked about last week on Pentecost Sunday. We talked about the power of the Holy Spirit or the power of Pentecost. And so in Jesus' case, Luke 4 and 1 makes this statement, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. The, the key phrase is full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, for 40 days being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The Bible says Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, and then the next phrase says, and he was tempted by the devil. I need you to understand you can be full of the Holy Ghost and still be tempted. Because if Jesus got tempted, who do you think you are? You're going you, you gonna to get tempted. And sometimes we think just because I came to church and I felt good and I felt goosebumps that everything's okay. By the time, sometimes we're out of here by 12.45 to 1 o'clock, by the time 3 o'clock roll around, you could already be tempted. Sometimes folk get in big churches, they get tempted in the parking lot. 
they get out of the mega church and they get, get fussing the folk in the parking lot. They can't even get off the grounds because we are human and Satan uses our humanness against us. But if we say, God, try me. In other words, God, continue to work in me and work on me so that I respond the way I need to respond. Because if you leave it up to me by myself, I'm going to blow some stuff. Huh? I'm going to mess some stuff up. So, God, I need you. I need you every single day of my life to help me, to carry me. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. You will never get so Christian and so cute that you don't need God. No, you need God because there are temptations, there's demonic distractions, there's stuff pulling you here and there. Just going to your job is demonic. Just going to the family reunion is demonic. Trying to watch television is demonic. So we need God because we get tempted. Deliver me from Christians that, that say that everything is perfect in their life and that everything's perfect all the time. I haven't met one yet. Now, I've met some, but they phony. They pretend like everything right. But listen, we got stuff we've got to deal with in this life. And if Jesus dealt with it, so would we. Now, now if I stay in that vein, I'm going to depress all of us. Because we were like, shoot, why, why even try if I know I'm going to be tempted? And I might even get tempted when I walk out the door. But let's look at this next verse that we're putting up. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, not if. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Oh, that's a good place to give a praise break and a shout right there. Because what God is saying, I know you're going to be tempted, but I've already built into a system that says I'm going to be with you no matter what you go through. No matter what's thrown your way, I'm going to be with you. And I'm not going to let you be tempted above what you can handle. So that means if the temptation comes your way, you have the ability to overcome it. You have the ability to walk through it. You have the ability to grow through it. So sometimes the temptation should remind you of how awesome you are. Because if I wasn't this awesome, the temptation wouldn't be so big. Something that the Lord gave me that I've used over and over, and some of you have heard me say it, and I'm going to say it again. The Lord just spoke to me one time and said, have you ever seen a person use a bazooka to kill an ant? Never, never seen that in my entire life. And then God spoke this to me. He said, the size of the weapon and the intensity of the attack shows you how much your enemy has respect for you. If the devil can just squash me with his fingers, then I'm operating like an ant. But if the devil has to bring all his artillery, that means he thinks I'm something even if I don't think I'm something. So the temptation lets you know you are somebody. So if the devil is throwing everything in the kitchen sink at me, he's letting me know I'm somebody that he fears. So instead of crying and instead of falling back, I'm going to stand up to the challenge. I always, I, I made up in my mind that if you're going to fight me like I'm a king, I'm going to act like a king. 
If you're going to fight me like I'm a warrior, I'm going to act like a warrior. I'm going to step up to the challenge because, devil, you're saying what you think about me. Evidently, I threatened you because if I didn't threaten you, you wouldn't be messing with me like that. So bring the temptation on because while you're tempting me, God is trying me. And you meant it for my evil, but God is working it for my good. When you read the story of Joseph, it seems so unfair. It seems so harsh and so rough. All he did was have a dream that he told his brothers. But by the time you see him go from the pit to the prison and end up in the palace, and he actually said that same phrase, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for my good. Devil, you are tempting me, but God is trying me through you tempting me, and I'm getting stronger while you're messing with me. Now, I may have actually fallen to the temptation, but in God, I never fall from grace. I fall into grace. And so even though I fell in the temptation, he lifted me up. And next time you tip me, I won't fall like that because God caught me and he lifted me up and he turned me around and he set me on solid ground. So bring the temptation on because while you're tempting me, God is trying me. All right, let's, let's continue to read. Let's look at Hebrews 4 and 14. This makes it even more special. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in Every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So we're not dealing with a God who doesn't know what it's like to live in human flesh and go through. See, I'm not mad at anybody else's God, but those other gods didn't come down and wrap themselves in human flesh and live the way I live. Listen, Buddha didn't live the way I live, so I can't worship Buddha. I'm worshiping the one that came in human flesh and lived. And the Bible says he was tempted in every way. Now, I've always thought about that because I'm thinking now, I don't believe that Jesus was tempted to molest children. I don't believe that was in him. So it's not saying, when it says in every way, it's not just saying that. But when he went to the cross, he took every sin, the worst, most vile sin, he took it and put it on his human flesh. And so the worst sin that you can even imagine of, he was tempted in because it came in his flesh, but he took it to the cross. And so even though it's a temptation, he nailed it to the cross. And so there may be something that is tempting me that is totally wicked and totally left field. And I may be wondering, why am I even thinking this way? Why is this nasty junk coming into my head? Don't worry, God already nailed it to the cross. I, I ain't got to go what, I'm not got to go the way you're talking, devil. Because if, you, if you're not careful, the devil will whisper stuff in your ear and you'll assume it is your faults. He'll have you thinking crazy. You think you're thinking crazy, but it's just his thoughts. But you have to remember those thoughts have already been to the cross. So you got to tell the devil is devil, you a lie. I love the way, way some folks say, devil, you a lie. You are an absolute lie. And Bishop Tudor Bismarck says, devil, you a lie. You and your mother-in-law a lie. Oh, everything about you is a lie. I, 
I'm not going this way. I'm not messing up my marriage. I, I'm not quitting my job. I'm not getting addicted again. Devil, you a lie. You an absolute lie. God will help me endure it so I can get through it. Continue, continue read verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let me paint the picture. It says, since God knows what it's like to go through, he knows what it's like to be in a trial and be tempted. He says, when you get tempted, don't say, oh my goodness, I'm so bad, I'm so rough, I can't talk to God about it. God says, the moment you get tempted, come straight to him. And he doesn't say, I'm going to hit you in the head and say, fool, why are you thinking that? No. He said, you're going to have mercy and grace in your time of need. God, I've been thinking some crazy thoughts. And God said, that's okay. Bring your crazy self to me. I'll give you grace and I'll give you mercy. Because I know what it's like to live in a crazy, mixed up world. I know what it's like to face demons head on. I know what it's like. So baby, just come to the throne of grace and get what you need. And sometimes you go to God disappointed in yourself and you find out he still loves you. God, I fail. And God says, but I still love you. Come get some more of this grace and come get some more of this mercy and come get some more of this love. Oh, by the way, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. That means even when I'm falling, goodness and mercy is still waiting. And it'll help you. It'll help you. But, but pastor, you don't understand. I fell backwards. But you don't understand. Goodness and mercy is behind you. So even though you fell backwards, they pushed you right back forward and put you right back in the game. Like the old Weeble Wobbles we used to use that was filled with sand. You can knock them over, but they bounce right back up. See, because I got goodness and mercy following me, I may be laying to the side for a minute, but I'm bouncing right back up. Because I got goodness and I got mercy and I got a God that says, when you mess up, come straight to me. Part of our problem, we get religious. When we mess up, we run away from God. But it's not like God didn't know what you did. He saw it too. He saw you do it. So ain't no need you hide it from him because he saw you do it. So you might as well come and talk to him about it and let him help you through it. All right, we're going we're gonna to go to the next point, which is triggered. Triggered. So we're tempted, and then we are triggered. We're going to give us a definition of trigger to help us. Trigger is distress typically as a result of arousing feelings or memories associated with a particular traumatic experience. Here's the problem. When we get tempted, the temptation, especially when we fall, the temptation leaves trauma that can be later triggered. So what the devil knows is, yeah, I tempted them in cocaine and God rescued them. But I got a few things left in them through the trauma of that addiction that every now and then I can press their buttons to trigger them and they could be going well. But all of a sudden one day what they came out of looked so good. And we wonder what's wrong with me? You got triggers. See, you can't walk through this life without getting some triggers. 
You got people that you love. I love everybody. I love everybody. And then you run into that one person. You forgot about them. That one person, they know how to push your buttons. They, 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 they know how to get under your skin. They, they're part of that trigger. And the devil will send them your way as soon as you're doing good. Some of y'all got some exes, some baby daddies and baby mamas that, that you'll be doing good. And all of a sudden, they show up in your life out the blue. And it's designed to trigger you. And then social media, you'll, you'll see somebody that you used to be with that have moved on without you and they're doing good. And once you see all the pictures of them doing good, it triggers you. And I need you to understand that's part of the human existence. Because we are able to be tempted, we're also able to be triggered because the temptation leaves spiritual and emotional trauma that can be triggered. All right, so let's, let's put this up. This is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to start identifying our triggers. So one of the things you do when you go to the throne of grace and God gives you grace and mercy, you don't just take it willy-nilly and just take it and run on about your business. You take it and you receive it, but you ask yourself and you ask God and you ask the Holy Spirit, how did I get here? In other words, I know I fell in the temptation, and I know you're not kicking me out, God, and then you're not throwing me away, but let's go and figure out how did I get here. Something triggered me. So here's the thing. Many times the sin is the fruit, but the real issue is the root. So I can pull an apple. I can pull all the apples off of an apple tree, but over time those apples will come back because unless I uproot the roots, the fruit will keep coming. So many times we have some stuff in our roots, and the Bible calls it iniquity. We have some faults inside of us, and those are the things that cause us to be triggered. So once we've been tempted and God gets us through the temptation, we have to ask God, help me identify my triggers. What makes me act? The way I act. And, and this is something I've always said to you guys that, that I can say again. I don't have it in my notes or on the screen, but it's a, just a good thing to remember. It's called HALT. H-A-L-T. HALT. When you get too hungry, too angry, too lonely, or too tired, that's something that, that'll trigger you. You ever met people that get hangry? The hungrier they get, the angrier they are. Some of y'all, you wonder, man, I'm wondering why my attitude is so bad. I'm wondering why. It's because you got diabetes. You just need some candy. Your sugar is going up and down. Put a peppermint in your mouth and stop being mean to everybody around you and pull yourself together. Identify what, what triggers you. Now, 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 now let, me, let me talk to some men. I ain't going to look at anybody. And I may be talking to some men in uh, TV land, but we're getting into the summer. And the summertime comes, the heat comes, and, 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 and some of our beautiful women, they, 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 they like to wear less and less articles of clothing. And if you come to church, more than likely, you're going to see beautiful women, and you're going to see them with clothes on. But if you go to the club, more than likely, they're not going to be dressed like they like in the church. So if that triggers you, stay out the club. Because you got to identify what triggers you. Well, I'm free. I'm not saying you can't go, but you know your triggers. 
And if you have an alcoholic problem, then you probably should stay away from the bar because it triggers you. If, if looking at your ex's pictures bothers you, maybe you should delete your ex off your social media. Identify what triggers you. See, God will help us through the temptation, but many times we got these triggers in us. Let me jump back on the men. So this is just a practical thing you can do. It's something called bounce the eyes. So bouncing the eyes means, listen, you can't stop from seeing everything. You're going to see some stuff, but you can't be just looking like this. Look, you you got to learn how to bounce your eyes. I seen it, I saw it, but I got to get my eyes back on what I'm focused on. And, and ladies, this is, this is a dual folded. No one should treat you bad based on the way you're dressed. Because some people say, well, the reason why they got raped is because they were dressed as a way. That's foolishness. However, how you dress can help the people around you. And so you, you can help your men by the way you, you do things. But us men learn how to bounce, bounce our eyes. I, I don't know how many seconds you get, but you don't get that many. Get your eyes back. Get, get it back. Get it back. Now, now, let me just not just talk about men. We, we say men are more visual, but women, y'all have some struggles too. Sweat glistening all over his body at the gym, and you can't even work out and get on the trip. You got to figure out whatever time he come, you need to come an hour later because it's, it's triggering you. And there's nothing wrong with you looking at him except for the fact that he got a ring on his finger. You saw the ring on his finger last time, but then you decided you were going to show up at the gym the same time he showed up at the gym. Now you're setting up something that ain't going, not going to do you any good. So you got to learn how what triggers you, identifying the triggers. So let's, let's look at what Matthew 26 and 41, this will help us. It says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Then it adds, it's the spirit is willing... But the flesh is weak. It seems like God would have given us a whole bunch of stuff to help us identify triggers. It just says something simply, watch and pray. When we used to dismiss services, that's what we used to say. We used to say, watch and pray. But listen, when you got triggers, the first thing you got to do is watch. Pay attention to what triggers you, and then you got to pray. Stop, stop, stop being cute and acting like, well, well, I'm blessed and highly favored and, and God, I love you. That's time for those prayers. But then there's some time for the prayers to say, God, I'm full of lust. Help me. God, I'm ready to cuss everybody out. Help me. I'm watching and I'm praying. And I've learned that some of the problem is I'm not getting enough rest. I'm stressed out. So guess what I'm doing? I'm cutting my phone off and I'm shutting everything out and I'm going to bed. In the old days, you could take the phone off the hook. Some of y'all need to power the phone down, take the phone off the hook, and go to sleep and get some rest because your lack of sleep is triggering you. The stress you're under is triggering you. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're godly, but you've been triggered, and the more triggered you are, the more easily tempted you will be. Let's go back to that verse. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The first thing says, if you get into temptation, I'll help you. But then it's also telling you, by the way, you don't necessarily have to fall into everything. Now, now we, we know in Muncie, we, we got potholes all over the streets in Muncie. But once, if you've been driving, traveling the same road over and over, and you hit the same pothole all the time, some of that's your fault. 
You can't blame the city because you hit it every single time. Didn't you see it the last four times you hit it? Maybe you need to move or maybe you need to get on another path. Sometimes we want to stay on the same path and complain about what we're getting. But if you know the path is leading you in the wrong place, get off the path. Watch and pray. So you don't fall into temptation. The wine is sang a song and said, it's good to know he'll be there if ever I fall. But then he said, it's better to know that I don't have to fall at all because he's able to keep me. I, I'm not mad at you because you fail, but if you keep falling over the same thing all the time, you're not allowing God to be your keeper. So you need God to keep you, and so that will help you. All right, let's, let's, let's read a few more verses to help us. James 1.13, this will help us understand triggers. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Uh, sweetheart, how would you end up with so-and-so, and he used to be married to so-and-so? Well, God told me that was my husband, but he was married. That ain't your husband, and that ain't God talking. That Something else talked to you, but it wasn't God. God didn't tempt you into doing that. People say, well, well, I, I shut up all the people because God told me to shoot. No, no, God didn't tell you to shoot up no people. That You heard something, but it wasn't God. God cannot tempt. Now, he's there if you get tempted and when you get tempted, but the temptation never comes from him. All right, let's, let's look at verse 14. Well, where does it come from, Pastor? Well, let me tell you. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. The biggest enemy is the enemy in your inner me. So don't blame God. Don't blame Andre. The reason why you were dragged away and enticed, it was something that came from within. It, 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 it was in you. My dad taught me, he said, when you squeeze toothpaste, what comes out? I said, toothpaste. He said, when life squeezes you, if stuff come up out of you, it means it was already in you. Well, my wife made me cuss. Well, maybe she made you, but cussing was in you. Because if it wasn't in you, she couldn't have made you cuss. Well, my, 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 my husband made me cheat. Well, no, 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 cheating must have been in you. Because when life squeezes you, whatever is in you comes out of you. So we got to be honest. I can't blame the devil. I have to be honest. I have some triggers. I got some triggers. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, mighty burning fire, but I got some triggers. And my triggers have come from my traumas, and my traumas have come from my temptations, and, and, and I, I don't mean to stay on this type of vein, but I, I, I'll, I'll jump off of it, but I'm going to say it real quick. That's one of the reasons why the scripture talks about abstinence and virginity and lifts that up. Because the less of that you do, the less triggers you have later on in life. That no, normally when, I'm, when I am uh, counseling people who are heading down the aisle and it gets into the time where they have to discuss past partners. Nobody sits in the thing and says, man, I wish I had more partners so I could talk to this about the person I'm going to marry. Most people, I wish I did less 
so that I can move into what I'm trying to move into. So the less you have in your consciousness, the less you can be triggered. So that's why we have to raise up our young people. And I know we don't talk about that much. We have to raise up our young people and let them know our young girls and boys, not just girls, but girls and boys, that abstinence is the way to go. Virginity is the best, healthiest way for you. That way, when you walk down the aisle, you're not walking down the aisle with 17 other people that's following you. Your train is long, but it's 17 other men walking behind you because they still in your spirit. They still in your psyche. And you're going to bring all that into the marriage. And you brought 17, but your broom, groom brought 24. It's going to be a whole bunch of folk in that marriage. So it's a whole lot better if you don't have those triggers. But pastor, I, I've already done it. So, okay, that's what grace and mercy is for. But for the young folk, we got to tell them that still it, it's an easier way to go. All right, let, let, let's go to verse 15. This is what the scripture says. Then after desire has conceived. Now this is interesting. The idea of conception. So now, uh, right now, I have in my body, I have seed that we call sperm. But I have to unite with my wife who has an egg for there to be conception. So you have desire in you. But if you don't have anything to connect the desire to, then the desire can die out. So it's not so bad that it's in you. The problem is that when you act on it, then you bring it and you unite it with an egg and it brings conception. And once something is conceived, it starts growing. So here's the thing. There's some stuff I thought about doing because it was in me, but I never carried it out. And I'm so glad I never carried it out because later on I seen it would have messed my life up. So just because it's in you don't mean you got to act on it. Pastor, I, I, I know I've been delivered from alcohol, but for the last three months, I mean, alcohol been really on my brain. And I heard you talk about how you have a glass of wine every now and then. No, baby, you don't do nothing. Because you, 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 you're you not in the place that I'm in. And I, I, I was sober for 25 years. You, you only been sober for 25 months. No, don't play with that. Because once you act it out, it's going to conceive something that you don't want. And you can't abort every one of your consequences. Once they get out in the atmosphere, and some of us know that about our words, sometimes once your words get out, you can't bring them back. And let, let, let me say something about a digital age. You think just because you deleted the picture that, that it's gone. No, once stuff gets out there, you can be found out. Be sure your sins will find you out. So it's not so bad that you have triggers in you. The problem is that you allow those triggers to be enacted and you can see let's go back to verse 15 and this is how it lays it out then after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death Amen. the bible says the wages of sin is death so the reason why we don't want to sin is not because we're going to miss Heaven, because God can fix our sin, but sin always causes something to die. Sin kills something once it is full grown. And so here's the thing. If you can see your triggers and see your sin when they are in their early growth stages, then what you can do is you could pull that stuff up. So you put stuff in the ground. If you put stuff in the ground today, Tomorrow, it's not going to be full grown. 
And the next day, it's not going to be full grown. But once you see it come up, then over time, it's going to be full grown. So here's the thing. Repent quickly. Pull some of that stuff up. If you know you've been acting a fool, when you come here on Sunday morning, you need to get on your knees, Get up, even if you're on that chair, bow down on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry, I repent. So you can pull up some of that stuff before it gets full grown. All right, let's go to verse 18. Not, not verse 18, excuse me, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. In verse 18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Let me uh, say that be before I move on. So if we are not careful, we'll allow the triggers to give birth to sin. And sin, when it grows, will lead us into death. But this scripture says he chose to give us birth. So what he's trying to do, instead of us having sin be full grown, he's trying to get us to be full grown. He's trying to grow us. And it says so we'll be a first fruits of the creation. So in other words, so we come to God first. And we get past our triggers. And what God actually wants us to do, he wants us to grow up so we trigger other people. Not in the negative way. We've been talking about negative tri triggers because of trauma, but there are positive triggers. See, if I grow through my addiction, then I can see you before you step in your addiction. And I can be triggered to help you and pull you out of something. Because I saw my sin full grown and God ripped it up. And I see you planting the same sin that I was in. And I can come help you and say, baby, don't go that path. I know I'm triggered to help somebody else. Instead of being triggered to do wrong, I'm triggered to help somebody else grow. We call that discipleship. So the reason why God allowed you to fall and go through what you went through and still bounce back and come back is so you can help somebody else. He told Peter, when you are converted, strengthen your brother. The same Peter that denied him, the same people that denied him three times and was cussing, the same Peter that cut the man's ear off, that same Peter, he said, listen, you're going to be converted. But the only thing I ask is you strengthen your brother. So instead of being triggered to do wrong, you trigger others to do right. All right. Put this up. Let's go to tested. Tested. All right, let's, let's give us a, a word for test. That test, that the graphic has a pencil on that reminds you of being in school. And what do they say about a teacher? The teacher doesn't talk during a test. So sometimes when God isn't talking, it's because you're being tested. All right, let's, let's uh, read this, uh, what I have under test. It's, it, I got two definitions for it. Test, take measures to check the quality performance or reliability of something especially before putting it into widespread use or practice i want to read that again take measures to check the quality performance or reliability of something especially before putting it into widespread use or practice we can go to the next definition but i'm going to speak about that just for a second many times you come in here in church and you say god use me God, use me. I just want to be used. Okay. But before I use you, I got to test you before I use you in widespread. In other words, before these vaccines that they gave us, even though it feels like it was rushed, these vaccines, the science of them have been tested 
for years, way back in Ebola and those other epidemics. The science of it had been tested for years because you can't be putting stuff in people's arms that hasn't been fully tested. Before it's in widespread use, it has to go through a battery of tests. And if God is going to use you in this day and age, you got to go through a whole bunch of tests to make sure you are ready for what God is trying to give you. And it's not just being used, it's also uh, receiving things. Some of y'all want God to bless you with a million dollars, but you got to be tested with five dollars. before you get the millionaire status. You got to go through the test. And some of us, we get stuck in the test. And the problem, as well as the good thing, the good thing is we don't flunk the test in God. We take the test over. But the problem is many of us get stuck and we've been taking the same test. And that's why you have Christians that say, I've been saved 45 years, but really you only been saved four years because you got stuck in a test on year four. And the other 41 years, you've been in the same place. There's no growth. You can't disciple nobody. You can't lead nobody to Christ. You don't know seven scriptures. You can't even quote seven scriptures, but you've been saved 45 years. You're stuck. We want to be tested, but we want to graduate. We want to go through the levels. We want to be elevated. We want to be promoted. Now, new levels mean new devils, but if I'm tested right, the new devil's not going to bother me. That's why when David saw Goliath, he said, I'm not afraid of him because I've already seen a lion and I've already seen a bear. So who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You come to me with sword and spears, but I come to you in the name of the Lord because he had already been tested. And once you've been tested... And once you've been tested, and once you've been tested, you can stand before anything, and you can go through anything because God, you said, God, try me. Even if I have to be tempted, and I have to be triggered, and I have to be tested, I'm going to be everything you said I was going to be. All right, let's go to the, the, the second definition of that. Test, reveal the strengths or capabilities of someone or something by putting them under strain. Being under stress and under strain, it actually reveals what is in you. So let's let's read. Let's look at Exodus twenty nineteen. I'll read uh, these verses and then I'll, I'll give you just a little redress to them. Then they said to Moses, "You speak with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die." Verse twenty. And Moses said to the people, "Do not fear, for God has come to test you." And that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. So the test was so that they wouldn't sin. And then the next verse, 2021, so the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. I'll stop and I'll talk about that for a second. There's a time in the scriptures in Exodus 20. We, we see Exodus 20, the beginning part of Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. In the beginning part of Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. And in that time, he, God gives the Ten Commandments, but then he starts thundering. He starts lightning, and Moses comes down off of the mountain, and all this power is going on. And the people of Israel said, Moses, you talk to us. We don't want him to talk to us. He, that, that, that. That's too scary. And Moses said, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. This is just a test so that you won't sin, so you can respect 
how awesome God is. So don't, don't, don't back up. But they said, no, we don't want it. And that's the only reason why we end up having the priest having to have a go between, between God and man. It wasn't God's idea. It was the people's idea. They saw how powerful he was, and they ran away. But the Bible says Moses drew near. So because Moses knew it's just a test to keep me from sinning. Some of the things that's kept me from sin is I'm afraid of God. I respect God. There's some stuff you're not going to catch me doing, not because you can see me, not because it might get in the paper, is I respect God. I got too much respect for God, and I'm drawing near to God. God, test me so I can respect you. I believe we can talk to God how we want. I believe sometimes if you want to say, yo, bro, you can talk to God. But, but, but I, I, I respect God too much to be yo, bro in God. No, you are my Jehovah. You, you are my majestic God. I humbly come before you. I thank you for everything you've done in my life. Before I ask you for anything, let me thank you for everything. I thank you for my life, my strength, my health. I thank you for breath in my body. I thank you for the activity of my life. I appreciate you too much to treat you like you're nothing. And when you see God in his power, don't run away, but be like Moses. Draw near. Because it says the test is to help you so you sin not. Let, let's, let's, let's read verse 20, 20 again. Exodus 20, 20. Now, Exodus what? 20, 20. Exodus what? 20, 20. Exodus what? Maybe the pandemic in 2020 was so that we would fear God more and respect him more and stop playing church and stop playing with God. All right, let's, let, let, let's, let's go to James 1, 2. Still in the testing, and then we're going to try to move from. We got another point. But James 1, 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now that I understand what the tempting and the triggering and the testing means, now I'm actually counting it joy. It, it doesn't mean that I enjoy everything I go through, but I know there's joy on the other side of what I'm in. So that's why I can praise him while I'm in something I don't like and I'm in something uncomfortable. I don't have to wait till the battle is over. I can shout right now. I can count it for joy. All right. The next verse, verse three, knowing this, I, I, I have it because I know knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. In other words, the test is not just for anything. It actually is productive. The pain is productive. The pain is necessary, but the pain produces something in me. The pain builds something in me. It builds perseverance. It builds something what I call bulldog tenacity. It puts something in me. I can't, I can't turn this loose if I try because it does something to me. The testing of my faith, it produces something. Let's, let, let's read Verse 4, and then, but let patience have its perfect work, that ye may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, no human is perfect, but you can move closer to perfection because you are allowing patience to have its perfect work in your life. Let patience have its perfect work in your life, that ye may be complete. And lacking nothing. Somebody say lacking nothing. lacking nothing. Verse 12. 
Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And let me add this thing in. I've been talking about it in Bible study as well. We cannot forget that the greatest reward that we're looking for is not on this side of earth. It's on the other side of heaven. And I'm not going to let any jack-legged fool make me miss heaven. I love you, but I'm not missing heaven for nobody. Mama, daddy, wife, kids, nobody. Trump, uh, Biden, nobody's going to make me miss this. I'm standing the test so I can receive the crown of life. I'm going into glory one day. When I die, I'm not going down. I'm going over. One glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. You have to remember at the end of it all, we get heaven. But not just that. Because the Bible says he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. So we get heaven and then we get to come back to earth and be able to go from earth to heaven whenever we want. Now, the earth now has beauty in it. But what would the earth be like without sin? We get to enjoy it all. I'm not going to hell for nobody. I'm going to stand the test. That leads me to the last one, and that's it transformed. So here's the thing. The tempting, the triggering, and the testing is all going on, but in the middle of it all, we're still being transformed. And I like the way the graphic puts up the butterfly because the butterfly starts off as a caterpillar. It starts off as an ugly looking worm and not too long ago my wife for her daycare she got caterpillars together and they, they watched the transition of them growing into butterflies and when you looked at them, them caterpillars were just, they're ugly. They're not really good looking and they just slumping around and crawling on the, the bottom of things. They're just nothing to look like. But the whole time, something's happening on the inside of them. And they go from caterpillar to butterfly. And so, yes, I've been tempted. Yes, I've been triggered. Yes, I've been tested. But something's working on the inside of me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm being transformed. I'm being transformed. This transformational power is happening in my life. While it looks like I'm depressed, I'm being transformed. While it looks like I'm sick, I'm being transformed. While it looks like I'm broke, I'm being transformed. I may have went through a divorce, but I'm being transformed. I may have lost my job, but I'm being transformed. I'm turning into what God says that I am. And the next time you see me you won't recognize me because I'm transforming I used to watch a show called the transformers and it said more than meets the eye there's more than meets the eye I may just look like a bald-headed preacher but I'm transforming into something I might transform into a millionaire I might transform into a mogul I don't know but I'm transforming because the stuff that I'm going through is working something in my life I am transforming All right, I'm going to finish this point and then we're going to get out of here. Would you, would you put up the definition for that? Make a thorough or dramatic change in the form, appearance, or character of. See, for us, it's not our form and it's not our appearance. I'm still going to be 5'8", bald-headed, and chocolate brown. 
but my character is being transformed. What I went through is doing something in my character. And yes, when you first met me, I was mean as a rattlesnake. But the next time you see me, you wonder, how did he turn so nice? God did a work in my life. God, God did a work in my heart. And while I was going through the trouble, and while I was going through the pandemic, God was doing something, and my character is growing. Yes, I'm 5'8", but my character is 10 foot tall. I'm standing tall. I'm standing strong. I'm a giant in the land. Some, because of my name, sometimes people call me Andre the Giant. Yes, I'm Andre the Giant. I'm short on the outside, but I'm giant on the inside because my character is growing. My life is growing. My mind is growing. My spirit is growing. My soul is growing. My peace is growing. My joy is growing. My long suffering is growing. I'm growing from the inside out. Romans 12, 1 and 2. This will help us in the Message Bible. One of my favorite verses in the Message Bible uh, come from Romans 12, 1 and 2. And let's, let's read it. And it shows us that while we're going through the things, this is the mindset that we should have. Because it will help us in the transformational pro- pro- process, which is also known as metamorphosis. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work. And walking around life and place it before God as an offering. In other words, don't just be doing what you want to do. Your, your life has been bought with a price. You do what God wants you to do. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Next part of the verse. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Stop doing everything the world does. Stop dressing every way the world dresses. Stop going everywhere the world goes. No, you live your life for God. If God tells you to take it off, take it off. If God tells you to turn it off, turn it off. You're not living for anybody else. You're living for God. You do what God wants you to do. If God tells you to go to that job, that's the job you go to. Maybe it's paying you less than the other job, but you're not your own boss. God is the boss of your life. God is the one driving your car. Some people say, Jesus is my co-pilot. No, not Jesus is not my co-pilot. I'm all the way in the back in the trunk. He's driving the whole ship. I don't have no control of this because I give my life over to God so that I can be transformed. Last part of that verse. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm not going to be dragged down by what the world wants. I'm going to allow God to cause the tempting, the triggering, and the testing to grow me up from the inside. Next verse, we're going to switch off, off of that, and we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, very famous passage of Scripture, but I got it in a different version. It says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here right now. So this is what it means. The moment you get saved, your spirit is made new right then. And your spirit from then on is in the back. 
and it's trying to press its way to the front. You got the flesh, you got the soul, and you got the spirit. But the spirit is the one that has been recreated and been renewed. And so as you grow the spirit, the spirit gets in front of the soul. And as you grow the spirit, the spirit gets in front of the flesh. And so now when you're walking around, you're being led by the spirit. And the spirit of God, the spirit of God is leading you and your spirit is following the spirit of God. But if you get saved and you keep your spirit in the background, you're going to be immature like everybody else. You're going to do what everybody else does. So you want your spirit to grow. So you are a new creation right now. And what you're trying to do, another way to say it, you're trying to give the keys to the spirit. Because your soul has the keys. And then every now and then your flesh gets the keys. And your flesh is a fool. It wrecks everything. Now you got to say, I got to take the keys away from the flesh. I can't even let the soul have the keys, my feelings, because it's in my soul where I'm triggered. So I got to get the keys out of that, and I got to get the key to my regenerated, brand new spirit. If you gave me a brand new Rolls Royce, I'm not giving it to Alana. I love Alana, but I'm not giving the keys to her because she's not ready to handle it. So when you got a brand new spirit, you can't give the keys to the flesh because the flesh don't know what to do with it. you got to give the keys to the spirit. Walk by the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All right, let's look at verse 18. We're going to close within four, these four verses. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, inside of Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of a reconciliation. What that meant is that while God was, while Jesus was walking in the earth in a fleshly body, God actually was inside of Jesus reconciling the world to himself. So when we get saved, God does the same thing. That's why we say, ask the Lord into your heart. He actually comes inside of us, and he begins to start reconciling the world to himself. But he starts first with us. He starts renewing us. That in, in, in that, that Romans 12, 1 and 2, if you see it in the King James, it says, and be renewed in your mind. You're renewed in your mind. So God is inside of us. He's renewing us. But if we keep shutting him off and we keep pushing him out, he's not able to do his work in our lives. Yes, he's God. But when he comes inside of us, he comes in as a guest. So if you close doors off to him, yes, you can have all these doors, but you can't have my sex life. If you lock that up, God can't get in there. So you got to open up the door to everything so that he can continue to reconcile from the inside out. He's the only surgeon that can work from the inside out. Every other surgeon has to cut you from the outside in. God cuts you from the inside out. Verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Somebody said, or it's attributed to Mahatma Gandhi, but he may not have been the first one to say it. He said, I don't mind Christ. It's the Christians I don't like. Because everything I read about Christ, I love it. I, I would accept him. But it's the people that I got to deal with that don't act like him that say that they are the ambassador for him. And I would accept him, but I got to deal with them. So we got to get out of that way. We got to let Christ shine through us. So when people see us, they no longer see us. They see the Christ in us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Last verse, verse 21. 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So God took the sin that we had and he said this, this, let me do it this way. This is my sin. I took my sin off and I gave it to Christ. And Christ Christ put my sin on. But then he took my sin to the cross. And when he resurrected, he didn't have any sin. He had all power in his hand, but he had righteousness. And what he did, he took off his righteousness. And handed it to me. Now all I got to do is put on his righteousness. It fits good on me because it's the righteousness of God. It's the peace of God. It's the power of God. It's the anointing of God. It's the love of God. It's the faith of God. I'm putting on the crown of the righteous. I'm putting on joy. I'm putting on anointing. I'm putting on wealth. I'm putting on everything God has secured for me. Yes, I was tempted. Yes, I was triggered. Yes, I was tested. But now I am transformed. When I look at my hands, my hands look new. When I looked at my feet, my feet did too. Because I'm under the righteousness of God. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, we know that these things that we've been through is actually producing something in us. And at the end of the day, all you want for us to do is wear the robe of righteousness that you made available to us. And God, sometimes it doesn't always look like we have it, but we always have access to it. And you're always working on the inside of us, God. So first of all, we say today, if there's any sin in our life that you are not pleased with, any actions and behaviors that you're not pleased with, God, we lay them on the altar. We say, God, we're sorry. We receive your grace and your mercy and your help. And God, we put on your righteousness and we walk in righteousness. We walk in holiness. Yes, we were tempted. Yes, we were triggered. Yes, we were tested. But at the end of the day, we have been transformed. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I say, God bless you. You are dismissed. We love you.